When I was a couple weeks short of my 70th birthday, I started thinking about my mother's mother, who lived to be 100, and her mother, who lived to be 102, and my father, who lived to be 90. I began to think that maybe our generation could be the first to routinely live to be 100. When I talked about this at family dinner one night, my granddaughter, who was five, said, What are you going to do for the next 30 years, Grandpa? Hello, I'm Dr. Janet Price. And I'm Greg Kalust. And we are Oldish. And this is our podcast, Oldish. If you're Oldish or know someone who is, please join us for conversations amongst ourselves and our special guests about what it means to be oldish in the 21st century. If you ever wonder whether you're getting old, you're oldish. What are you going to do for the next 30 minutes? Hi, I'm Greg, and I'm oldish. Hi, I'm Janet, and I'm oldish. Welcome to this episode of our podcast, Oldish Conversations About Aging in the 21st Century. Hey, Greg, may the odds ever be in your favor. Oh, you've been watching The Hunger Games. Yes, I have. And I really love that sentence in the book and the movies. It said, from my perspective, very ironically and sadly, and uh, that, you know, the odds could never be in your favor because it's always pre-decided on some level. But I like the sound of it. May the odds be ever in your favor. And what might that mean? And so I started thinking, what might it mean for oldish people? Can the odds be ever in our favor as oldish people? And I started thinking about, and actually, to tell you the truth, I started thinking about it because as I am aging, I'm noticing pieces of my life that feel scary. So knowing that my body is slowing down, that at some point uh, in the not too, too, too distant future, it's very possible that more of my body will be complaining. And does that, how can the odds be ever be in my favor when I'm heading through this last chapter of my life? And uh, so I had, I really wanted to think about what could it mean for the odds to ever be in our favor as oldish people? Yeah, I think it's a very good, very interesting question from a whole number of different angles, uh, one of the most obvious of which is that as we're oldish trending toward old, no matter how good a shape we're in and how healthy we are, we are closer to the end of our lives than the beginning of our lives. So if you look at at our life run as a in, a in the Hunger Games framework, we're getting closer to the end of the game. The number of competitors, so to speak, has dwindled as people that we know have died off. And every time I have a conversation now with anybody, it includes discussions of people that are no longer with us or are really sick. And that's becoming more and more commonplace in conversations that I have with people that are our age. And just as an aside, though, you're only 70. You're just a kid. But the, from the point of view of longevity and mortality, the, the idea that we get for, about longevity is something that's been in my head ever since I was a kid was the term life expectancy. And life expectancy is the odds of how long you're going to live, right? So in, the, in that sense, 
we're approaching the life expectancy limits that that people who are who basically calculate the odds for insurance companies. That's where the life expectancy numbers comes from, is from insurance companies where they're calculating what are the odds that you're going to die this year or next year. And so life expectancy comes out of that. And I think that right now the life expectancy for American men is like 74 years. And for American women, it's like 78 years. Um, and I'm 73. So the odds are changing for me. Pretty much the odds are less in my favor every day from that point of view. I'm doing things to increase my odds on a regular basis. I'm eating well and getting plenty of exercise and sleeping well. And, you know, I meditate every day so that there's reduced stress in my life and getting good medical care and all the things that I've, I didn't do it just because I was trying to strategize this, but all the things that I read about in what helps people stay well longest is things like having a social life and, and having people to love and to be loved by and staying active and learning new things. So this podcast is part of my strategy to be standing on the podium at the, at the end of the Hunger Games. So I think it's a really interesting way of looking at things. So if you don't mind, talk a little bit more about um, the scariness, because I'm probably masking my anxieties about getting old and falling over. But um, they're probably there. They're probably not very deep below the surface. Um, yes. Thanks a lot. <laughs> <laughs> You're so very welcome. So I'm here to, to help in any way I can. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know, I, I, I don't know how to put it into words other than I think it's Maybe after a lifetime of trying to control as much as I can in my life, there comes a point where, for me, of realizing I really do not have any control over this. I can do the things that you're talking about, and I do um, what I eat and exercise and pickleball and friends and loved ones. But I'm also very aware, as you said, about hearing whenever you talk to someone that someone you know is no longer with us, that I'm closer to that than I was when I was young. And then I think of all sorts of things, like it almost feels like this compressed amount of time to do whatever else I want to or need to do in this lifetime, which I realize it's not a rational response because I don't have any idea how much longer my life will be. And all I can do is um, think about how can the odds be in my favor during the time I have left? But I do find myself thinking, let's just say traveling as one example. When I start thinking about all the places I'd like to go visit, there's absolutely no way that I'm going to see the world in yeah. however much time is left. There's just no way around time and money and all of that. So um, I think when we're younger, we can have some kind of nebulous expectation or dream that those things will happen and now it's more and more clear what you know how much of that could ever happen yeah well some of it's a, a, a frame of mind some of it's just how are you feeling now and i'm sure that there are 
your experience includes some days are brighter than others, but the saying that, um, you know, there's no way that you could travel the world in the time that you have left. Um, who says? We hear stories all the time about people who basically say, well, who says? Which is kind of the, that's the attitude of oldishness. You know, who says I can't do that? Grandma Gatewood that we talked about at the age of 65, laced up our sneakers and walked the Appalachian Trail. Who says you can't do that? So I'm not trying to jolly you out of where you currently are. If you, even going back to look at, you know, to use the, the, the Hunger Games movies as a literal talking point for our conversation, there were times when the people who were out there on the field of play were sure that they weren't going to make it. And then there were other people who were sure that they were going to make it, but then suddenly somebody dropped a bee's nest on them or an arrow came out of nowhere and things like that. There's no way to tell. Something just came in my head about may the odds always be with you. And there was a thing that you used to say to me when we first started talking about your early days in the adventure of Buddhism, where we used to always talk about may your day be favorable. Your your Buddhist teacher said to you, may your day be favorable, uh, which is kind of a way of saying may the odds be in your favor, right? Yes. Um, and so relating the the feelings of oldishness through that lens i could see that you know things are things ain't bad and everything can be turned into not everything can be but seems like lots of things that at first appear to be negative to, just to use a word often turn out to be positive it's like that old saying about one door closes and another one opens well, that's what I was thinking as I was getting ready for this recording was, may the odds be ever in your favor. What does that mean for us as oldish people? And the whole idea of may your day be favorable, you know, so bringing it back to all that we can do anyway is bring loving kindness into the world, meaning those are that we get have contact with. And uh, finding something in each day to be thankful for and uh, doing our best to bring joy to others around us and comfort. Absolutely. So one of the things that came in my head when you first suggested this quotation from The Hunger Games was the, I just watched the first one or two Hunger Games movies again sometime within the last month or so. I don't know why, but I did. My thought went to something that I've been experiencing in my conversations with oldish people is that a, a lot of people that I talk with are feeling like we are currently living in a dystopian future. Certainly compared to what we expected when we were kids. We're currently living in a dystopian future that, you know, democracy is in peril. The, the, our country is politically in disarray. The wealth disparity is huge and getting huger. There's global warming. There's wars and hungers all over the world. I've been talking with a lot of people lately who are like, oh crap, this is, we're living in this dystopian future. Now what are we going to do? And 
a number of people have said, what can we do? We can't fix it. Us regular people can't fix it. So I'm hearing a lot of kind of existential despair out of people who are otherwise oldish. My experience of the conversation is anecdotal, but I th- I have a sense that there are more people like us who are our age and think of ourselves as oldish, that there are more and more people who are fretting about this dystopia. And some of the people saying that to me aren't people who have been fretters, you know? I know people have been fretting about everything their whole lives, as far as I can tell. Uh, But some of these people who are fretting about we're in a dystopian future weren't fretters before, but they seem to be trending toward that. Some of it, I think, is is the propaganda that we're getting in the media that everybody's exposed to all the time. It's all one version or another of the storm of the century. There might be snow flurries in the forecast, and the, the weather reporters are all, it's the storm of the century, we're all doomed. The propaganda, the you know, the Orwellian doublespeak and, and convincing of people that things are such a way so that you can control them. I think there's a certain amount of that, but but maybe because I'm a victim of it too, I look around and I say, "Well, this is kind of this kind of sucks." Um, but on the other hand, there are some really bright spots. Uh, so, so what do you think of that? Well, it's interesting when you're talking about dystopian future. I, something connected for me around what I was trying to say a little bit ago, as far as what my own experience right now is about is about being oldish. That there is some dystopian futureness in it, personally, in the sense of I think about that maybe this is because we are so disconnected as a society as far as families and generations, and that you know, like I didn't grow up with uh, grandparents living with me. I know you did at some point, um, and even my own mother. Uh, mothers, since I was adopted, I didn't have much contact with. So as my body gets older and I have wrinkles and wrinkles in parts of my body that I didn't know I would have wrinkles, it's just kind of like, oh, that's what that looks like now. And, uh, you know, there's something dystopian about it because when I was younger, I did see sometimes older people in movies and they looked this way, but I didn't take it in. It was like some kind of future that was never going to be mine. And uh, so I think there's something about that that is touching me in a personal way that it's kind of like, you know, I didn't know that I would start forgetting things. I didn't know what that would feel like to suddenly be driving down a street that I've been down so many times and not know where I am and things like that. And, and I think we'll find out, but I think it's not that I'm experiencing something out of the realm of what people typically feel as they get older. I don't think I'm heading towards dementia, but I don't know, but it's still scary. And because this is different than my mind worked before all roads lead back to what, how can I make a difference right now where I am today? And for myself, how can I be thankful and be present? And even when things are scary or aging to be present with that and then focusing it out or focusing this outward on others is how can I bring uh, kindness to others today? 
And that's where we can make what I believe is a really big difference, even though it might feel like it's a little difference because if I'm kind to people today, does that mean that people in Hamas and Israel are going to stop fighting today? You know, probably not. Um, but I don't think it's a little thing. I, I agree with that. I think that kindness in your vicinity is an act of bravery and an act of defiance against the dystopia. If dystopia wants to wind us into horror, then kindness and love and beauty, every little bit of that is an act of defiance. It's a radical act to be kind and to hope that other people will also be kind and the people that you're kind to will pass it on. In the first Hunger Games movie, one of the things that helped Katniss make it through to be the victor was that she paused to be kind to people who weren't actively trying to kill her because they wanted to. So she spread kindness through a number of people that she came in contact with, even out on the battlefields. Um, and that kindness was what drew people to her. She was a skilled warrior, obviously, but it was her kindness in many ways that got her through to the end. I love that. That's right. And I really like what you said about using the phrase a radical act. I almost feel like being oldish requires radical act, radical thinking, radical acceptance. And that can be our mantra as oldish people that we're going to face aging in a radical way, i.e. acceptance and um, curiosity. Made me think of the first book that we reviewed, Remnant Population. And I feel like the main character of that book was exhibiting radical acts of aging and oldishness that she was taking on. I'm going to make decisions for myself right now. I'm not going to get on that ship and I'm going to live here by myself. And so I'm going to be remembering this once we've stopped talking as far as today, as far as wanting to um, have radical acts be my guide as I age or yeah. radicalness or something. I've been saying in our podcast all along that kindness matters and thinking about the end of the Hunger Games, that whenever we come to, whenever I come to my end, I think the thing that would make me okay with it all would be that whoever remembers me, remembers me with a smile. You know, he was a kind man. He expressed kindness maybe sometimes when he didn't have to. So it's a radical act. So I think we can do that. The part of me that says, oh, yeah, we can save the world says, if enough people do that, then that works out. But the history of humanity is someone who shows up and, and says, if enough people and acts that way, acts with kindness and talks about kindness and says, if enough people do this, things will be good. That person gets clobbered. But I think it's worth doing kindness every day. What okay. else we got to do? Exactly. 
Yeah. So I've got a lot to think about. Yeah. So brace up. <laughs> all right. Yeah. We'll soldier on and say goodbye to all our listeners for, for now. And we'll be back soon, both with more interviews with authors and reviewing books where oldish people are the uh, main characters. And so got a lot more to talk about and listen. Yes. And I have one last kind of motto-ish thing to say, which just popped into my head, is may your quiver never be empty. Because <laughs> that, that'll be our, our next <laughs> perfect <laughs> conversation. That really seemed to be the case with Katniss in the, in the Hunger Games movies, is that whenever she reached for an arrow, there was one there. And uh, against all odds. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so may your quiver never be empty. All right. Yeah. Well, good. Goodbye, well, Greg, for now. Goodbye, Janet. And thanks for sitting down to talk with me again. It's always a pleasure. And I always come away knowing something that I didn't know when we started and feeling something that I didn't feel when we started and being reminded, may the Odds always be in our favor. Yes. Because it's easy to forget that sometimes. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. Bye, Janet. Bye, Greg. That's it for now. Thanks for listening. We enjoyed our visit and hope you did too. Our next episode will feature a conversation with Joan Price, a leading expert on aging and sexuality. Her books include Better Than I Ever Expected and Naked at Our Age. She's just turned 80, and she'll talk with us about how it feels to be still alive and active as we age. You can leave comments or requests for topics or guests on this or other episodes at www.oldish.me. There's a link there, too, if you've wondered how you can help support our podcast. If you like what you heard today, please tell a friend and rate and review our podcast on Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to podcasts.